19 Elul, Yud Tes Elul, Tzadik, His Conversations, 594. Let me record what the Rebbe said to me once when I was alone with him, not long after I first came to him from Nemrov with my friend, Reb Naftali. It was before Shavuot. At the time, I had the feeling that the Rebbe was a little upset about me hovering at his gates rather too much. I had just paid him several visits in rapid succession. This time, I found him in his big house next to the Beit Midrash. As soon as I came in, he greeted me by saying, Hello, and goodbye, and he smiled. He remained seated where he had been by the door leading outside by the old Beit Midrash, and then he started speaking to me and comforting me greatly, saying, How do you know what God Almighty wants to make of you? Today you are this, and afterwards you will be... What is going to be done with you will be dot dot dot. And he hinted to me that I would be in very great danger, times without number. And almost, almost. But I will open for you the paths of the mind, and you will go and travel the paths of all my lessons, like one who goes touring in wondrous and awesome palaces and structures. He explained this further saying that his lessons are like going into a palace containing all kinds of halls and chambers, colonnades and gateways of awesome wonder and beauty, with story upon story, all different, all original, all unique. As soon as one enters one of the rooms and starts looking around and wondering at the amazing originality and uniqueness it contains, he suddenly sees that an extraordinary gateway has opened up, leading to another room, and from there to yet another room, and so from room to room and from story to story. From each place, entrances and windows open out onto the next one, and everything is connected to everything else with the most amazing planning, the profoundest wisdom, and absolute beauty. But it is impossible to explain any of this to someone without at least a little understanding of the depth of the Rebbe's teachings. Happy are those who have had the merit of tasting the incomparable sweetness and depth of his teachings. But even so, the Rebbe continued, it is still not yours. You are like someone touring what belongs to others. What I want is for it to become yours completely, and this will also come to pass. You think it is because of your good deeds. No, it is only because I want it so. Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, his wisdom, 303. The Rebbe once spoke to me about the folly of sexual desires. He said, One who occupies himself with lewd thoughts is a fool. Even the most ordinary person would not want to be caught doing this. Even if he has no fear of sin, he still has no desire for the shame of being caught with another woman. So why engage in lustful thoughts? Why trouble your soul for nothing? We have spoken of the fact that every person can control his thoughts and direct them as he wishes. This is discussed in numerous places in our printed works. Accept this advice and you will be worthy of eternal pleasure. 304. The Rebbe ridiculed the sexual desire, quoting the words of the morning prayer, Do not bring me to a test or to disgrace. He said, Adar anisoyin, adar abizoyin, Either a test or else disgrace. That is, if you do not pass the test, you will come to disgrace. 
we have discussed how the Rebbe spoke of the baseness of this desire, saying that it is really no temptation at all. See his praises number 16, his wisdom number 51. The Rebbe said, People are so bound up with their bodily desires, and tied to this one in particular, that it does not help when you explain how base this is. On the contrary, the more you speak of it, the more lewd thoughts they have. Therefore, in most cases, it is best not to even begin to think of it at all. This is explained in Sefer Hamidot. Do not enter into litigation with your tempter. Thinking about something for any length of time, even if its avoidance strengthens desire and turns one's will toward it. The Aleph Bet book, Prayer, A, 12. One is permitted to pray for a slanderer's death, or that he forgets his Torah studies, or that he will have no share in the world to come, or any wise children. 13. God fulfills the wishes of anyone who occupies himself with Torah study. 14. It is good to cry out to God whether before or after the decree has been issued. 15. A person should not excessively pray for anything. 16. When rain falls, it is a time of increasing salvation in the world, and the advocates of merit are granted an audience before God. 17. The prayers of an individual are not listened to unless he prays with an attentive heart, but the prayers of a congregation are heard even if they don't all pray wholeheartedly. 18. Don't simultaneously pray for two things. Maharan 2. Lesson number 72. Eternal life. 1. When a person merits to see himself with the true tzaddik, he thereby receives greatness and authority. And the essence of greatness is humility. As we find stated about God, every place that you find the greatness of the Holy One, blessed be he, there you find his humility. Megillah 31a. At the future resurrection of the dead, when those who have died will rise up and live forever, the sole part of each person that will live is his humility. In other words, each person's humility alone will live and will rise up at the future resurrection of the dead. For the essence of the wondrous delight, which is the eternal life of the world to come, can be experienced only by each person's true lowliness and humility. And to the degree that each person sincerely nullifies and humbles himself, so will he merit to live and to receive the delight of the world to come. 2. When a person merits to see himself with the true tzaddik, his mental faculties and his mind thereby glimmer, and he then receives greatness and authority in accordance with this glimmering of his mind. In turn, he merits to originate new Torah insights in the proper fashion, consistent with the state and character of his own mental faculties. 3. Through new Torah insights, each person becomes filled with shame. A person ought to be very deeply ashamed of himself indeed, for a transgression is certainly an embarrassment, may God save us, since transgression has absolutely no relation to a Jew whatsoever and does not befit him at all. And given a Jew's great holiness at his root, it certainly does not become him at all to commit a transgression. Beyond this, however, even when a Jew wishes to do a mitzvah, it is also appropriate that he feels enormous embarrassment. For what merit does he have that he deserves to do a mitzvah? 
And where does he get the nerve to enter the chamber of the king to do a mitzvah? A person need only consider before whom he is performing this mitzvah, as well as the great exaltedness of the mitzvah itself, since the enormous preciousness of every mitzvah is beyond all estimation. Thus, it is certainly appropriate that he should be overcome with great shame when he comes to perform a mitzvah. How can he come and grab the tefillin, which are the king's crown, and all of a sudden put them on his head? Without a doubt, it is appropriate that he should be filled with great shame. If a person really had shame, he would be ashamed before God even to put food into his mouth. For what has he done to merit having food? A person merits to feel this shame primarily by seeing himself with the true tzaddik. Since through this his mind glimmers, he receives greatness, and he merits new Torah insights. Thus, it is said at the giving of the Torah, when Moses brought down the Torah to the Jewish people, in order that the fear of him should be upon your faces, so that you not sin. Exodus 20.17 And our sages of blessed memory taught on this verse, this refers to shame. Nidaram, Twinachman's stories. The bird. A sage gave them an idea. The king was very fond of a certain type of bird. If they could bring him such a bird, he would have so much pleasure from it, he would forgive everything. However, it was very difficult to capture this bird since it lived very high up. They did not have a ladder and there was no time to get one. The sage once again gave them an idea. Since they were many men, one would be able to stand on the shoulders of the other, making a human ladder to reach the bird. They liked the idea, but began to argue, since each one wanted to be on top. They wasted time arguing until the bird flew away. The king then remained angry at them for neglecting to harvest the wheat on time. The idea is that God created man and gave him every pleasure, also that he should cut the grain before he is harmed through blemishing the covenant of Abraham, the Gamhabrit. People would then be able to serve God with a clear mind, but they neglected it through their enjoyment until they forgot the grain and let their minds be ruined. Nevertheless, there was still hope through the bird, who is the tzaddik, since through him everything could be forgiven. But then there was arguing and strife, since each one wanted to be on top. They were thus kept from binding themselves to the Reb Nussin's letters, year one, letter number 221. It is known that all the miracles that God performed for the tzaddikim were a result of prayer, Megillah 27a. Nonetheless, each miracle occurred as the result of favorable circumstances arranged by God, so that in most cases, the miracle was brought about by the direct command of God. For instance, when he sent the locust, it is written, Stretch out your hand to bring the locust, Exodus 10.12. And similarly, with the plague of boils, it is written, Take a handful of soot from the oven. We find the same in connection with other miracles in Egypt. Also in the case of Elisha, it is written, 2 Kings 4.41, Take flour and throw it into the pot, and there will be nothing harmful in the pot. Now, God is perfectly capable of performing a miracle without anyone having to do anything. But this is His way. Who can understand his magnificent deeds? Similarly with Daniel, this amazing miracle was the result of his prayers. However, 
The circumstance through which God performed the miracle was that at the time Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, God granted him sufficient presence of mind to enable him to mentally cleave and be bound to God and His Holy Torah until he knew and comprehended the secret of how nature is governed by knowledge, i.e. by knowledge of the letters of the Torah and their various combinations. This is what saved him. Anyone can understand that it is an amazing miracle indeed that Daniel's mind was steadfast at such a time of crisis. Daniel, thrown into a den of roaring lions, nonetheless kept his presence of mind sufficiently to be able to comprehend the lion's nature at its upper root, according to the exalted secrets hidden in the Torah and included in God himself, and thus he was saved. It is unquestionable that no one living today could stand up to this. The very fact that no secret escaped Daniel was an amazing miracle in itself, and this he merited through prayer. For it is stated explicitly that he prayed about this and that he also ordered his companions Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to pray. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a nighttime vision. Similarly, when they wanted to throw him into the lion's den, he prayed to God until he enabled Daniel's mind to grasp the secrets and mysteries from which the nature of the lion draws all its strength. Through this, the lions were made subordinate to him, and he was saved from them. This is the essence of perfect faith, to believe that nature is governed by God and that nature itself is divine providence, hashgacha. Someone whose belief in this is complete is able to alter nature, for he knows the truth, that there is actually no nature at all, God governs his world according to this particular order, i.e. that dry land should be dry land and sea should be sea. This is what the world calls nature. But when God wishes, he changes this order and turns sea into dry land. This is what our rabbis of blessed memory said, the one who told oil to light can tell vinegar to light. Ta'anit, Year 2, Letter number 477 with God's help, Monday, Erev Rosh Chodesh Kislev, 5605, Breslov. To my dear son, the customary greeting, I sent your letter to Reb Shin in Uman, and it has most certainly reached him, for I sent along with it another letter to Reb Chaim Granover, who is one of our comrades from there, and I received a response from him last Friday. There is nothing new at the moment. God is great and highly to be praised. Recall the letter which I wrote you some days ago, which speaks about the conversation in which the Rebbe said, God is great, and we know nothing at all. My vitality now is only through this, but it is impossible to speak about it, especially in writing. Fortify yourself determinedly, my son, anew all the time. Through all the various bitterness that you and I experience, it is necessary to bring ourselves to joy all the more and to turn all the grief and sighing into joy. For what would we have done, God forbid, if amidst bitterness, grief, and sighing such as this, we were to be opponents of the Rebbe, God forbid, God forbid. We would be completely without hope, God forbid. But now, now there is plenty of good and wondrous hope for all of us. Without a doubt, there is good hope for me and for you. Hope to God, and He will save you. And no matter what, really be happy. Nasan of Prasadikim, Rabbeinu Yonah, Rabbi Yosef Chaviva, author of Nimuke Yosef, 
Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Sheshet, Harivash. Rabbeinu Yomtov, author of Magid Mishnah. Harav Rabbi Yomtov Bar Avraham, author of Migdal Oz, Rav Machir. Rabbi Yosef Chaviv Sephardi. Rabbi Yaakov Moilin Bar Moshe Halevi, Maharil. Rabbi Shalom, Maharash. Rabbi Yisrael Israel, author of Trumat Hadeshen. Rabbi Yaakov Moilin and Rabbi Aharon were his rabbis. Rabbi Yaakov Weil, Rabbi Yitzchak Kanfatin be Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yitzchak Dilion, Rabbi Yitzchak Abuhav, author of Menorat Hamaor. Rabbi Shmuel Valansi ben Harav, Rabbi Avraham. Rabbi Yosef Kolon bar Shlomo, Maharik. Rabbi Yaakov barav Shmuel, author of the Agur. Rabbi Yosef Gikatilia, author of Shari Ora. Rabbi Yitzchak de Minako, student of the Ramban. Rabbi Yosef ben Shraga. Rabbi Ovadia mi Bartanura. Rabbi Levi be Rabbi Yaakov ben Chaviv. Rabbi Yaakov Beirav, Rabbi Moshe Al-Shakar, Rabbi Yehuda Mintz, Rabbi Meir Padva, Rabbi Shlomo Al-Kabetz, Rabbi Moshe Al-Sheikh Rabbi Chaim, Rabbi Shmuel Kalai, author of Mishpatei Shmuel, Rabbi Yosef Ben Lev, Rabbi Shachna, Rabbi Elazar Azkari, Rabbi Yosef Saragosi, Rabbi David Ben Zimra, Rabbi Shlomo Luria, Rabbi Eliyahu Balshem. Rabbi Yitzchak Rabbi B'Tzalel Rabbi Nassan's Prayers 2 Prayer number 50 on Lakute Moharan 2, 29 God settles solitary individuals in their home. He brings forth those imprisoned in chains. But those who have rebelled dwell in an arid land. God, you are my God. In the morning I will appeal to you. My spirit thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a land that is dry and weary without water. As I saw you in the sanctuary, so do I long to see your might and honor. Master of the world, you who are filled with compassion, draw me close to you so that I will serve you. Bring me back to you in complete repentance. Unite my heart to love and fear your name. Help me engage in holy unifications constantly. May I improve my deeds and sanctify my thoughts so they will partake of your supernal holiness until my thoughts will be unified and created in all of the worlds by means of supernal, holy, and pure unifications. I was created to unify and bind all of the worlds and all of the holy names completely so that your unity and oneness will be revealed, spread, and shine to all people in the world. May they all know you from small to great. Avoiding any mixture of forbidden foods. Therefore, may it be your will, Hashem our God and God of our fathers, you who perform wonders at all times, that you will be with me always and guard me so that I will never accidentally eat any forbidden foods, heaven forbid, and so that no mixture of forbidden food with permitted food will ever be in my home. Even if at times, due to some unpreventable circumstance, a little bit of a forbidden substance is mixed into a permitted substance, may it be nullified in the permitted majority, so that the permitted amount will nullify it according to the laws of the Holy Torah. Guard me always, so that I will not blemish any heavenly unification. In your compassion, rectify all of the blemishes that I have caused until now in the unifications of your holy names as a result of my evil deeds. May my wrongdoings be transformed into merits. May my wrongdoings be nullified in your multitudinous goodness and wondrous kindness. 
which you send forth and shine unto us constantly. In the might and merit of your true tzaddikim, who unify all of the supernal unifications with ultimate perfection, reveal and publicize your unity and oneness to everyone in the world. We trust that in the power and merit of the tzaddikim, our multitudinous and grave offenses, transgressions, and sins will all be nullified completely due to the intense force of their holiness and righteousness until our wrongdoings will be transformed into merits. Master of the world, singular and unique one, have compassion on us for the sake of your name. Help us truly recognize you and make your name known to all who come into the world. Then all of the nations of the land will know that Hashem is God, there is no other. Blessed is Hashem, God, God of Israel, who alone does wonders. And blessed is the name of His glory forever. And may His glory fill the entire earth. Amen and Amen. Prayer number 51 on Lukutei Moharan 2.44 May my mouth speak the praise of Hashem, and all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. May my mouth be filled with your praise the entire day with your glory. I will sing the kindness of Hashem forever. For all generations I will make your faithfulness known with my mouth. Master of the world, have compassion on me and on the entire Jewish people. Help me believe in you always with complete faith. May no heresy, doubt, or confusion regarding your holy faith arise in my heart. May I always be accustomed to express my faith explicitly with my mouth to declare unabashedly at all times that I believe in you, Hashem our God. You are the primal one, without beginning and without end. With your will, you created our world completely ex nihilo, after total nothingness. You rule over all and guide and supervise your world in accordance with your will. And in the future, you will renew your world. You gave us your holy Torah, both the written Torah and the oral Torah, through Moses, your prophet, the faithful one of your house. And through him you chose us from all of the nations and sanctified us with your commandments. You gave us prophets, true tzaddikim, tenaim, amoraim, and all of the holy, true sages of Israel who lived in all of the generations until this day. Have compassion on us for the sake of your name. Strengthen and support us in your holy faith always. You know that our entire life force and purpose is solely our holy faith, which is the foundation of the entire Torah. As the verses state, all of your commandments are faithful, and the tzaddik lives by his faith. This is the foundation of all of the worlds, as the verse states, all of his deeds are with faith. In particular, I am blemished due to the damage that I caused with my many sins. All of my life force and hope are entirely holy faith. You who are filled with compassion, have compassion on me. You who think thoughts so that none will remain cast away from you, have compassion on me. Have pity and mercy on me, and bring me to possess such strong faith at every hour and minute that I will truly return to you with all my heart. You know the magnitude of the true power of holy faith. It has the power to bring even me out of all of the places and problems into which I fell because of my evil deeds. Master of the world, will you not return and revive us so that your nation will rejoice in you? Give me perfect counsel now in the place where I am now, 
so that I will begin to truly return to you, and I will no longer return to foolishness.